It was one of the most memorable nights of my life. Through a strange twist of events, I'd been invited to play golf at Pebble Beach. Now that is a pinnacle of golf. It's every golfer's dream. And if that wasn't enough, my buddy and I received an invitation for the two of us to attend a private dinner with golfing legend Gary Player. Now Gary Player is, I mean, he's the only golfer to have won both the PGA Championship and the Senior PGA Championship. He won 165 tournaments, 18 majors. So to say that I was excited would be a massive understatement to sit at the table with greatness. But as long as I live, I will, I will never forget that night. And yet, as exciting as it was to receive that invitation, I have good news for you. You have received a grander invitation to an even greater banquet. The Bible refers to it in Revelation chapter 19 as the wedding feast of the Lamb, and it will be held in heaven. And your host is the one who spoke the universe into existence and, and the one in whose image you were created, the great I Am. And you don't have to leave after the meal because you have committed your life to Jesus now you get to stay in heaven, and that will be your eternal address. Maybe you heard about the teenager who got his first job working at a florist shop, and his job was to make deliveries. And it, it went pretty well until one day he got a little careless, and accidentally he switched two of the orders. And he was supposed to deliver to a place that was a, a new church that was moving to a larger sanctuary. It had outgrown its previous one. And the other was to a funeral home where someone had passed away. And that afternoon, the irate pastor called up the head florist and he said, hey, we got a problem over here. He said, we got our grand opening service that's about to start in just a few minutes. And up in the front of our sanctuary, we have this big bouquet of flowers and it says, rest in peace. <laughs> florist said, you think you got problems? He said, somewhere in this town, next to a casket, there's a set of flowers that say, good luck in your new location. <laughs> Now, that's kind of how many people approach the afterlife. Well, I, I, I hope I get lucky, or I've got my fingers crossed. But where you spend eternity will not be decided by luck. Choice, not chance, will determine your eternal destination. And so, I'm reminded of what those great words were as we have been working our way through this series of what happens after you die. Those words that Ashley said in that very first week. I loved it when he said, what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. And that's so true. If we really knew what awaits Christians in heaven, then it would transform the way that we live and it would increase our desire to get there. And yet, there are some Christians who are living as if there's no heaven, and there are non-believers who are living like there's no hell. Next week, Mark and Ashley will be answering your questions about heaven and hell. Many of you have already submitted questions. You can, you can do so by just going to, uh, emailing them to ask at ccv.church. And last week, if you missed Ashley's sermon, then you really need to hear it because I'm telling you, so much is at stake and it's too important. And as, as Ashley laid out for us, Jesus taught a great deal about the reality of hell. And the reason he taught about was so that we would never have to experience a place like hell. It's either heaven or it's hell. Those are our only two choices. 
And if you don't hunger for heaven, then you will be tempted to go after heaven on earth. And I, I want you to be more excited about heaven than you are frightened about hell. So today, here's what I want to do. I just want to give you three familiar, three-word phrases so that you'll be able to know more about heaven. When you think of heaven, the first phrase that I want you to think of is home, sweet home. Now, you know what it's like when you've been out of town for a while and you return home. It feels so good to be back in your own home. Did you know sleep experts all say the same thing? They say, you get the greatest sleep in your own bed. Doesn't matter what your bed is like, it's just that it's your own. It's that feeling that you get when you walk through your door and and it looks and it feels and it smells like home. And that comforts us. It's not that you live in luxury or, or you've entered into some mansion. It's just the fact that it's home and you feel comfortable there, but it's only temporary. In 1 Peter chapter two, the Bible says that we are strangers and aliens. We're, we're not of this world. And if you're a believer in Christ, then this world really isn't your long-term home. If you're a believer, I can guarantee that heaven is a home for every Christian and it was made with you in mind. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter five, Verse one, now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. A little bit later in the passage, in verse eight, he says, we are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Why would it say at home with the Lord? Well, because for Christians, our home is where Christ is. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse two, he says, I go to prepare a place that you may be where I am. And as strange as it might seem, even though you've never been there, it will feel like home because he instilled that desire within you, that longing. And God knows what you will need in order for it to feel like your home. Last year, you you may have read about the nursing home in the Netherlands that was experiencing the same struggle that that occurs in most nursing homes due to the fact that the older we get, the more our, our, our memory starts to fade. And since all hallways and doors look the same, the common problem is that the residents have a hard time finding their way back to their room. I I watched this happen when my father was in the early stages of dementia. And it was so frustrating to him. So do you know what this nursing home in the Netherlands did? They hired a photographer and he took a picture of their front door of each and every resident of their previous home address. And he went to that house and he took a picture of it. Then they had all those pictures blown up and enlarged to fill that person's entire door in the nursing home. And the result was that the hallways felt more like neighborhoods. And the pictures made it easier for each resident to find their way home. And that's what I want to do today. I just want to help you find your way home eternally. To paint an accurate biblical picture of what heaven is like. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, home sweet home. Here's the the next three-word phrase, and that is better by far. 
From a, a prison cell, the Apostle Paul lays out the benefits of living or dying in Philippians chapter one, verses 21 through 24. This is what Paul says. He says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So he says, heaven is better by far. And trying to describe heaven would be like trying to explain what an iPhone can do to someone who's living in the first century. We couldn't totally explain it, nor would they be able to even comprehend it, no matter how hard we both tried. And for years, heaven has gotten a bum rap because of all sorts of erroneous thoughts. And yet nowhere in the Bible does it ever speak of wearing robes or playing the harp or sitting on clouds. I mean, if I, if I find myself singing with a harp for all eternity, that would quickly become hell, all right? <laughs> There's absolutely nothing that is going to be boring about heaven. In fact, think about it. God made our taste buds, and adrenaline. He gave us nerve endings that convey pleasure to our brains, our imaginations, and our capacity for happiness and excitement. Randy Alcorn says that our God is the father of creativity. And he's right. How can it be boring if the one who created this earth, the one who made every animal, every mountain, every rainbow, every, every waterfall, how can it be boring if he is there? And he's been anticipating your arrival. It is better by far. Think of the beauty. Think about what God made in six days' time. Now consider that God has been preparing a place for you and he's been working on heaven for 2,000 years. There, there's this, in, in heaven, there's gonna be this stuff that grows from the ground and it's green. And in Kentucky, we call it grass, all right? And you all will get to see grass on a regular basis when you come to heaven, all right? It will be a place of discovery with opportunities to learn. Uh, what's in heaven that makes it better by far? Well, we talked about creativity already and the beauty that comes uh, from also the opportunities for discovery that will be available. But it's also better by far because it's new and improved. We always like new and improved. Revelation chapter 21 Verse one says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. So in the book of Revelation, the last book of the New Testament, John, one of the disciples of Jesus is taken on a journey by an angel and John is given a brief peek into heaven to try and help paint that picture for us. And he says, it's a new heaven and a new earth. So this earth as we know it will be destroyed. And coming down to replace it is the one that God has been preparing for us. Now, also in heaven, there will be a, a symbolic wedding that takes place. Revelation chapter 21, verse 2 says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. So the church, we are the bride of Christ and we will be united with Jesus. 
Remember earlier when I mentioned that you were invited to a much more important dinner or banquet than than what I was invited to at Pebble Beach? Here it is, the wedding feast of the Lamb. Revelation 19, nine. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. I guess it's about five years ago, my wife and I were invited to a wedding and it was out of town, but it was being recorded to show bits and pieces of the service on a a national TV show because the the family had a reality TV show. And months later, it, it, it came out on TV and we were watching it and you see this packed room and it shows the bridesmaids walking down the aisle and you see all heads turn in the direction of the bridesmaids as they walk down, except for mine. Because I'm looking down at my phone watching the end of a football game, all right? Now my wife, we're watching this in my living room and she said, I can't believe, I can't believe you did that. And I'm like, hey, that's on them, that's not on me. They're the ones that scheduled their wedding during a football game, right? It was, it was not one of my finer moments, all right? But trust me, when you show up for the wedding feast of the Lamb and you are seated for this dinner with Jesus, no one will be looking at their phone. Well, what else is there? The glory of God. Revelation 21:11 says, it shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. And it goes on to say that the foundation of the walls were decorated with every type of precious stone. We, we can try to picture it, but it, it must be breathtaking. The Bible says that there's no sun, there's no moon there because God's glory lights all of heaven. And it says that the streets are made of pure gold. What is of the highest value here on earth is literally pavement up in heaven. How about a glorified body? That'll be there too. Romans chapter eight, verse 23. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. Earlier I mentioned Philippians chapter three. It says he will transform our lowly bodies into glorified bodies. Now it's, it's tough to really exactly know what that means. But the older you get, the more exciting the prospect of that becomes. And that's one of the reasons that we are excited about heaven. Now, I don't know that this is true. You won't find it in the Bible. But I I actually think that that in heaven, we will be in our physical prime, you know? In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve were, were created, we don't know how old they were when they popped into existence, but... But sin had not entered the world. And the Bible tells us that they were naked and not ashamed. So I don't know if they were 21 or they were 31, but I can tell you this, they weren't 61, all right? (laughs) I'm pretty certain of that, all right? Instant transformation is rather appealing. And in heaven, there will be something else. There will be plenty of adventure and exploration. This city is described for us in Revelation 21, and it says that you can go in and out of the city. The city itself is around a 1,400-mile cube, all right? To put that in perspective, 
That is stretching from Canada to Mexico, from Arizona to the Carolinas, and it's a cube, so it would be 780,000 stories high. And that's just the city. Plenty of opportunity for adventure, for exploration. What else? I think there'll be work there. You say, oh no, that can't be heaven. Oh, I don't, I don't like the idea of work. Oh, trust me, I've talked to so many people who are on disability who, who wish that they could, they could work and they would give anything to be able to work. And you might think it sounds fun, but after a few weeks of that, you'd be dying to work. Genesis chapter two, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Work was part of the original Eden. It was part of a perfect human life prior to sin entering the world. And some of you are like me, you just, you just love to tackle a project, you love to accomplish some task, you love to put in a full day's work. And for all of us, using our God-given gifts brings fulfillment. The difference is you will like your job that you're given up there. And maybe we can change periodically. Did you know that four out of five Americans don't like their jobs? You know why? 80% of people are not using one of their God-given gifts in their job. And God will give you something that you have been gifted for and it will be fulfilling and it will be productive. How about rewards? There'll be rewards in heaven. Revelation chapter 22 verse 12 says, look, I am coming soon. Jesus says, my reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Ashley talked about this a little bit in the first week of this series. Not only are you in heaven for all eternity, but you will also be rewarded individually, the things that you've done from the purest of motives that you felt like nobody else saw, God saw it. God will reward you. You do realize that we could talk about plenty of other things that we'll experience in heaven, things like family, friendships, peace, time. No longer will we be driven by reminders and alarms and schedules. The same thing we don't have enough of here, we will have an endless supply of there. I preached back in February on back-to-back -back weekends here at CCV. And while I was here, I, I played golf with Ashley and a couple of other close friends one day. Now, I am not a good golfer, but I enjoy the sport. And I just started my round with a horrendous score on the first hole. I, I thought I was going to par the hole, but instead I, I four-putted a hole, which is the height of embarrassment in golf. But on the next tee box, it was a par three, I hit a tee shot, and to all of our surprise, it actually landed on the green. But it kept crawling closer and closer to the hole until finally it fell in the cup for a hole in one. We went nuts. I was just as shocked as you are, all right? I felt like I died and went to heaven. I, I started deliriously screaming and I just took off running toward the hole. And I got about 15 steps in and I'm like, there's nobody up there, why am I doing this? So I turned around and about the time I'm coming back, this is what your lead pastor captured on his phone as I started coming back to the tea backs. Watch, watch this. Ah! Hole in one right here, come on. 
Yes! Let's go! Let's go! Yes! Oh, oh my hey, God! So Tell good. me your feelings. Tell me your feelings right now. I'm ready now. to go home right now. I just four-footed and I just got a hole in one. Oh, I love this second hole. I can't believe it. <laughs> that celebratory jump, uh, that celebratory jump, I look like a wounded deer, you know? Uh, and after the celebration, while we're, we're driving up to the green, Ashley looks at me, he said, hey, while, while I was getting my phone out to video that, he said, do you know what you kept yelling at the top of your lungs? And I said, no, what did I say? He said, you kept yelling, my life is complete, my life is complete. And he was right, that is exactly the first thing that I yelled. Now, that is about the most unspiritual thing that a Christian could ever say, let alone a pastor. My life is now complete, my life is complete. And here's why. It is impossible for a Christian's life to be totally complete until you are in your eternal home with your eternal Lord who loved you enough to sacrifice his life for you. And we think that the corner office or having an attractive spouse or getting out of debt or hitting a round ball with a crooked stick into a small hole will somehow complete us. But the truth is that this world has nothing to offer us that is eternal. Think of it like this. If you're on your way to hell, then this life is the best it's ever going to be for you. But if you're on your way to heaven, then this life is the worst it's ever going to be for you. Heaven is better by far. And sometimes we can learn more about a place by seeing what isn't there. That's why Revelation 22.3 says, no longer will there be any curse. Revelation 21.27, nothing impure will ever enter it. And this next sentence alone should be enough to make you desire heaven. Revelation chapter 21, verse four. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That is better by far. Sign me up. I'm interested in that. You know, a lot of my buddies who are preachers, they they've started to work on lists of what won't be in heaven. And I've never done that before. So you know what, this week I said, I'm gonna come up with a list from A to Z of what we won't have in heaven. In heaven, there will be no more anxiety or addictions, amber alerts, no more artificial intelligence, no more bankruptcy, bad breath, bullying, Botox, bruises, no more courtrooms, child abuse, COVID, chemo, cancer, counting of calories, no more cable news, no more colonoscopies, no more cats on airplanes, no more death, no more disease, no more divorce, no more depression, no more drunk drivers, no more dementia, no more ego, earthquakes, elections, no more fear, face masks, foreclosures, or funerals. No more gossip, no more greed, no more global warming, no more graveyards, no more hypocrisy, no more heat stroke, homelessness, or heart attacks. No more isolation or incarceration. No more injustice or infertility. 
No more jealousy or junk mail. No more knee replacement surgeries. No more killjoys or kidney stones. No more loneliness, legalism, or long lines for ladies' bathrooms. No more monsoons, no more murders, no more mammograms, no more miscarriages, no more negativity, neonatal units, nursing homes, or nuclear war, no more oppression or orphanages, no more prisons, pain, poverty, no more performance reviews, no more political parties, no more pandemics, no more quitting, no more quarantines. No more rattlesnakes or root canals. No more reorganization. No more regret or racism or road rage. No more raisin cookies that disguise themselves as chocolate chip cookies. All right? right. No more sermons. No more shame. No more satanic attacks. No more starvation. No more sexual assaults. No more suicide. No more school shootings. No more traffic jams, no more trafficking, no more taxes, no more tornadoes, no more tumors, no more terrorists, no more tiny caskets, no more unexplained tragedies, unmet needs, unwanted children, unloved spouses, or unbelieving skeptics. No more vaccines, no more ventilators or violence, no more wars, waiting rooms, or wheelchairs, No more Xanax, no more yelling from your spouse, no more yelling from your kids, no more yelling from your boss, no more Zoom calls. No more, no more, no more. And Jesus says, look, I am here and I'm making everything new. None of those things will be there. None of those things will be there, but look who will. Revelation 21, verse three. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Our God is both a powerful and a personal God. He is powerful enough to sit on a throne and rule the universe, but he is personal enough to wipe away every tear when you enter into heaven. Now look with me at one more passage and then I'll tell you the final three word phrase. Revelation chapter 22, verse three. The throne of God and of the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face. So when you think of heaven, I want you to think of home sweet home, better by far, and face to face, face to face. What makes heaven heaven isn't so much what's there and what isn't there, but it's who's there, and the answer is Jesus. He is the host of the wedding feast of the Lamb, and seeing him face to face will be the culmination of all of life and all of human existence. No one has ever seen the face of God But if you have put your trust in him and committed your life to him, you will see him at dinner, face to face. Heaven is exhilarating, it is refreshing, it is fulfilling. Everything that is good here will be perfect there. Everything that is bad here will be absent there. 
And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, he says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I can only imagine. You know, one of the most profound and exciting moments at a wedding ceremony is when the back doors open, and for the very first time, the, the bride and groom, their eyes meet. And that's what it's going to be like when we see Jesus times a million do you see the bookend that's taking place here? Here, it's a, it's a return to the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. It was a close, intimate relationship. Only back then, they never got to see his face, but now we will. The Bible starts out with a groom and a bride in the Garden of Eden. The Bible ends with a groom and a bride in the new Eden, in the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven to earth. Back in the Old Testament, next is chapter 33, God says, in your sinful and fallen condition, you can't see my face and live. But in heaven, you will see his face and you will live forever. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And we will be made pure instantly in heaven and when you see his face, you will be home like a blind person receiving sight. And in that moment, you can truthfully say, my life is complete. And we will see God in the face of Jesus, the one who died so that you could be forgiven and free. What do you call heaven minus Jesus? And the answer is hell. His presence makes all the difference. Earlier, I told you about my, my invitation to that intimate dinner at Pebble Beach with golf legend Gary Player. On my drive there from the San Jose airport, I, I had some phone calls to return, so I did the right thing. I had to take some notes on those calls, so I pulled over in a parking lot, made those calls. I even swung past a Wendy's and waited in a long line to get a Frosty, and I enjoyed that. But when I was about 12 miles away from Pebble Beach, I got slowed down in a traffic jam. And while I was sitting there, I got a phone call from my buddy who was going to the dinner with me. I said, hey. He said, Dave, where are you? I said, well, I got hung up in some traffic, but no worries. I should slide in just in time right before 6.30. He said, you're five minutes late. It started at 5.30. Didn't you look at the invitation? I said, you gotta be kidding me. He said, it just started. My heart sank. To make matters worse, the traffic got worse. And I ended up arriving at Pebble Beach at 6.50. And I was too embarrassed to even go in for the last 10 minutes. How do you miss out on such a great dinner after receiving such a magnanimous invitation? Well, for the very same reason that the majority of our world will not be at the wedding feast of the Lamb. I disregarded the important details of the invitation. I had no sense of urgency. I underestimated the effect that the surroundings of the culture could have on my pursuit. And I let good things crowd out the best thing. And if we're not careful, we can do the same thing. And we can settle in this life for a cheap imitation of the real thing and will miss the meal with the master in the next life.
At times in our everyday lives, we have become so fixated on our frosties that we have forgotten to focus on the feast. So before I close, here are the details that you have to know to ensure your place in heaven. Admit you're a sinner, but that Jesus was sinless. Believe that he is the son of the living God. Confess that truth verbally and and through how you live. And humble yourself and be baptized into Christ, symbolizing his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And oh yeah, the time thing's pretty important. I learned that the hard way. The time is now. I have to tell you, I can't wait to get to heaven. <laughs> I can't wait to get there. I can't, I can't wait to see Jesus. I can't wait to see my neighbor, Mike, who died way too early. To see my friend in ministry, Amanda. I can't wait to meet my brother and sister-in-law's baby that was stillborn. I can't wait to see one of my mentors, George, and my longtime friend, Bob. I can't wait to see my mom. I can't wait to see my dad. And I can't wait to see you. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Are you prepared? Think about your answer as you listen to this song. Drink from sweeter water 
home sweet home, better by far, face to face, and you'll hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I'll look forward to seeing you next weekend at the question and answer weekend. Have a great week.